0: how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins.
2: Mackie and Chad on Score North and scorenorth.com.
1: Never up, well. Yes, I know you paid. You was better play than me, but you never will have one of this. I got three of them, puppy, Three.
2: Three. And you have be been shame on yourself. Make all the money. The Minnesota team bring up you to win. And they getting worse and worse with you. See you later. Good luck, brother. It's still making you money. And good. you know what? Your next career will be WWE. They'll be waiting for you, puppy. That's pretty soon.
1: Ozzy Guillen coming in hot. Coming in very hot. It So it's... Mackie and Judd, to be clear here, that's not Phil. That's Chip Scoggins, my conduit's a trud of Trouble Buddy from Star Tribune, sitting in for Phil for um, Segment 1, or heck, Segment 1 and 2 of today's show. Executive producer uh, Declan Goff, as always, and fear not, the rom-com Rewind is coming at you at some point soon here. She's Out of My League, a very controversial film that we broke down in great detail with Phil. Uh, but Chip Scoggins, what was your whole assessment of the, not the series, because who cares at this point? The yeah. twins are so cooked, it doesn't matter. I'm not even going to waste our time with that. What was your assessment of the Josh Donaldson, Lucas Giolito, and then I guess Ozzie <laughs> Gian, the parking lot, um, the shenanigans that went on in Chicago? See, if we were smart,
3: we would have had like a tail of the tape, right? Yes. We'd have had a picture of them superimposed in a parking lot. With the tail of the tape, reach, height, weight, all that age. Which one,
1: though? Guillen all, uh, or three man. yeah it, and Donaldson?
3: What, what is the old wrestling thing where they, three guys enter the cage? On, one guy. <laughs> yeah, one guy comes <laughs> out. Um, you know, for a lost season that is just miserable and angry and frustrating, it's nice to kind of have some um, soap opera things to write about right oh it's gold it's well and if you're a writer this is what you want
1: and and then for donaldson well heck a writer a a sports talk host a podcast but for donaldson then the day after it all transpired to basically i'm sure he said i'm doing a zoom (laughs) i'm going on zoom i don't care if you approve or not with the shirt with the shirt yeah (laughs) what you got something to say or whatever it was uh, yeah, I mean, this is the type of thing that we long for. This mm-hmm. is the type of... The, the, heck, in a good year, this would be a great little storyline. But you know what I find the most intriguing about this whole, whole thing that goes beyond the Giolito thing, Chipper? I find it really interesting that Donaldson is, as far as I can tell, unless I'm missing another outspoken hitter here, it's a one-man crusade. Yeah, I haven't seen, not to to the level that he's done it. Like, this takes gall.
3: and I And, you know... I'm not going to pretend that I've um followed every team's right Mark that's what and, I'm saying no I don't more, know yeah. th- th- you know there might be other guys that have kind of quietly done it mm-hmm. and not you know not jumped on the stage to the degree that Donaldson has but he's absolutely been um kind of the flag bearer for this thing and you know it, it's funny that I know some people are mad because he's doing this in when they're 13 games out and a terrible team won the worst and, and they think it's tone deaf. I don't. I don't see it that way at
1: all. I felt the thing. I felt crossing home plate and yelling, "It's not sticky." When you're this bad, yeah. was embarrassing because his whole thing was I was trying to pump up my teammates. Your nah, teammate, yeah. dude, your teammates suck. Yeah, I, I think but, he was trying to but the, show
3: them up. Is I think what he was doing,
1: right? But the mission, yeah, what, like like going on Zoom and talking about it. I no, I love this.
3: Yeah, uh, and if they
1: were good. Show them off. Oh, could you?
3: Yeah. Then and it's fine. If they were good, could you imagine this going on? This would be great fodder, you know? But yes. the fact that they're this bad and it's happening, I think people, it, it turns them off. But um, I, I agree with you. You know, let your home run speak to it, you know? And, and you don't that's, but I think he was, I just think he's a guy who will say anything and does not care. And yeah, that rubs does. people the wrong way. But I always go back to, you know, and it's, yes, you have to put it in the context of how bad they are and and kind of know your, have some self-awareness about it. But we want athletes to to express and tell us what, yep. we we rip athletes all the time for being boring. They don't say anything. This is, you know, yep. we get the cliches. Well, this is guys doing the exact opposite. So I, I'm not going to rip that. No. And he comes
1: with facts. Yeah. His gi and rip about OPS, <laughs> yeah, he was it? right. Yeah. Um, he studies spin rates. He, I trust him when he says, and I mean, this is remarkable, Chip, when he says, I have a list, a notepad or a computer yeah. of 150 pitchers whose spin rates improved <clears throat> mysteriously yeah. from 2017 till now. Uh, I buy that. So so the fact that this is sort of like a crusade and he's got a platform for it, I appreciate that. And And I'm sure there's I I guarantee you there are uh
3: players around the league that are saying, I'm gonna let him do it. <laughs> Thank God he's doing it, but I'm gonna let him do it, you know. Oh, yeah. Because he's taking all the he's taking all the heat, saying what I feel, um but, but I'm gonna let him do it, you know. Hundred percent. And I will say the fact that he's a former MVP and he's been in the league and has a certain stature that um, you know, he's probably a pretty good I don't know if spokesperson is the right word, but uh, you know, lead person on this and so But he's right, you're right. When you talk to him, it, he must study this thing all day or all night after games because he's like his. You know, it was down two hundred RPMs on the on the slider and four hundred on his fastball, and he's he's pretty uh, great about explaining the effect of that. He was the other day when he's talking about Giolito, the the high fastball, and how when you don't have the spin rate on those, you know, it the effect that it has, and so I, you know, there's part of me that loves it, part of me that finds it kind of fascinating, just oh yeah, the science part of it. Um, I just wish it was in a in a season. This was happening when you when the team is relevant, and you're just not kind of checked. Because I, I gotta be honest with you, I'm sort of checked out on you. Backed out. Yeah, I'm.
1: I remember when you got in. I'm into summer, man. I, I remember when you got in <laughs> yeah. in nineteen. You're like, I never used to watch these games. Yeah. Now I'm watching them. You're out now yeah, again. I'm, I don't blame you.
3: I'm sort of not all the way checked out because I have to cover them and still. But um, they're just. It's sometimes they're unwatchable. I gotta be honest. I mean, it's just the same sometimes. thing. Yeah. A lot of times. Um, it, it's just
1: the same thing. They're not like, good. They're just terrible. They're not good. They're and they're I, 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 again, I picked them to win 96 games. I don't know what I was. I don't know what I saw and what's happened. It, it's that this is chip. And I said this to Phil and Dex a couple of days ago. This is one of the biggest disappointments and busts in Minnesota sports history. Given expectations, well, think about all their new arrivals this year, mm-hmm. and just how
3: they've all backfired—like literally everyone almost. Mm-hmm. And so, I think it, it wasn't just you, Judd. I think I picked them to win ninety-three games. And look and, at the odds maker before the season, Judd. They were—I know—one know, of the top what
1: seven or eight teams in terms of odds. Well, yeah, they're back-to-back division champions that didn't look. I mean, they, they looked like they got better on paper. Yes. And and Colome was supposed to help anchor the bullpen. Like, you think about, you're right, everything that they did backfired. But the Donaldson thing I, I find intriguing, too, because I think you're right. I think there are guys definitely who have strong feelings about this who aren't talking as much. And one is, what if we could actually go in the locker room and talk to Josh himself more and players... I think it'd be so interesting to do a story on what appears to be an obsession. Like, he appears obsessed by yes, this. Yes, yeah. Um, and, and I don't know, like, I'm sure if you talked, if you could talk to his teammates, you could delve more into that. The other thing I find intriguing is the Twins, when Donaldson started talking about this, the Twins tried to paint this as well, he knows his pitchers aren't cheating, so he's no, he knows his pitchers stink. Yeah. And for for the most part so he doesn't care.
2: Yeah. Well, so that, like
1: like this is not a my guy's clean. This is uh we got Barrios, but after that I don't
2: care.
3: Yeah, and it's it's funny cuz when he had the the on the field thing before the Yankee series and that's um when it really kind of came out, you know, when he had the first zoom, but then he needed to follow up. Um, after calling out Garrett, um, I asked him, I said, how do you think this is going to play in your clubhouse with your pitchers? And he said, oh, we've already talked about it. I mean, you look at our spin rates, they're not that high. I was like, well, is that because they're not using it or because they're not that good? Right. <laughs> you know? So right. um, you can't tell me that it, people have said 75% of the pitchers, I don't know what the percentage is, That not one in that
1: clubhouse does it? Come on. Right, but that's... What he's not saying, I think, is because I here's here's the thing with Josh that strikes me, and it's baseball, so it it's okay. I think Josh is out for Josh first, yeah. So like, Josh isn't really worried about, uh, and now now this do, this doesn't mean he won't help guys and talk to them, but I mean, I think Josh says I'm I'm being screwed by pitchers. Um, so I think Josh's thought process it'd be very interesting to see if the Twins had a staff of pitchers that let's say had three really good pitchers with good spin rates, if he would be as outspoken and they were good, like he has nothing to lose.
3: Yeah. And well, I think you're seeing the individual aspect of baseball where if you're a hitter and a hitter of his kind of stature and pedigree, and you've done it a long time, you're looking out for yourself, right? Because there's money online and your reputation and all this. And that's just like a specific thing that you do, a specific skill. And so, Anything that's going to interfere with it, I don't think you're worried about your setup guy in the bullpen. <laughs> you know, you don't care. No, you're you're worried about but, hey, these
1: guys are affecting. But I mean, when Jay Haps, like let's say Jay Hap, just as an example, yeah. let's say he's cheating. Okay, let's say he gets suspended for ten games. You think Josh, like, oh boy, I shouldn't have said so. No, he's going to yeah. be like, I don't care. Yeah,
3: well, he, he said it. Hey, I'm trying to get the cheating out
1: of the game. Yeah. So if
3: that if that means your own teammate, and, it means your
1: own teammate. And I will say this: I I saw a story this morning. I think it was from the Associated Press, but batting it, the batting average around the league in the month of June shot up seven points. Yeah, well, I so good for him if it's working.
3: Yeah, and it's it's I, it, there has to be a correlation. I mean, with all these things, because he, you know, there's a correlation with why the the numbers have tanked yes. with, with these spin rates, and you see how the spin rates have jumped, and Lord knows he has volumes of data on that, and so. Um, now we can debate whether they should have done this mid-season, right? And been which I have disrupted the season to this degree. Yeah, but I think we talked maybe last week is is you know baseball hears all the complaints about it's a boring game and there's never balls in play and all these strikeouts and I just they probably said we can't go through another half season of this we have to do something now and, and the sport's not well run no now. Great leadership probably would have done this in January or February and said, "We're cracking down. This is we we know this is a problem. We, you can look at the data." But for whatever reason, they just didn't do anything about it until Sports Illustrated and ESPN
1: right. and all these well, national outlets came out with with these stories that just said, "Hey, this is out of control." They did send out a memo in March saying they were, were going to monitor it and and that they knew the spin rates were up. And then I think. What happened was what you just said. Well, first of all, Joe West, who's an idiot, <laughs> but Joe West busted the Cardinals reliever correct, for his hat, and he didn't eject him, but he made him change his hat, and Mike Schilt got tossed from that game and then went on that Zoom call after and did, like, Eight minutes uninterrupted yeah. Yeah. Of, of how this is so widespread, and then the SI story came out, mm-hmm. and that's where I think the league said, "Oh, whoa, 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 we've got a problem yeah. now." Yeah, it started with the, the the Cardinals manager when he
3: had that great answer yeah. and basically said, you know, just laid it out there. And Donaldson even said that when he saw that, that kind of compelled him to to jump into the the mix here. So was Donald? So Donaldson must have been making this list well
1: before that. Oh, though. I'm sure. Well, he. That's Should, what I'm saying. This is a really interesting obsession.
3: Yeah, because he said – because he will um, – because I asked him that same day. I said, you know, part of Gary Cole's thing was this was passed down from generation to generation. He said, yeah, let's let's talk about that. And he says, in 2017 is when you saw these spin rates really jump up. He said, I think this goes back three, four years. So he clearly has been monitoring this for a couple of years and it's been on his mind. And and, and I don't know if – and he talks about He said, I have analytics guys. Maybe he, you know, maybe he's paying somebody to look this
1: stuff up. Maybe he's doing it himself. But he but just didn't start doing it. No, which, no, which no, means no. he's been doing this behind the scenes sure. as, as like a investigation, a Donaldson investigation. It would be
3: it'd be interesting to find if guys would tell you, like, or if you knew how long guys have been like talking about this during BP and posing players and off season, just like, hey, this is out of
1: control, or yeah, probably a couple years, I would guess, at least. You know what? I just thought of a conspiracy theory, Uh-oh. here, Shepper. I love judge conspiracy. What? theory. I just thought of a conspiracy theory here about how how the timeline on this went. So the spin rate. So Do- Donaldson said in particular that he started tracking spin rates. The increase of spin rates, 2017 on. That's when you right. think it started. Okay, he thinks it started really. Hear me out on this because the game, the game by 2021 had become way too pitching oriented, right? To right. me, strikeouts. 2019, we know for a fact that baseball juiced the ball. Yeah, I wonder if that was there without trying to embarrass the pitchers. Yes. and acknowledge the problem. I wonder if now, in retrospect, they juiced the ball on purpose because of complaints behind the scenes about the spin rate. Could be. Yeah, because because they decrease or or they unjuiced. If that's a word, the ball. And then it just becomes boring.
3: Yeah, go back and you know it would be interesting to go back and look at like 2017, 18 home run totals, strikeouts, all that. If if they if baseball became aware that okay pitchers are doing this, I mean they've done it forever, but this you know the right. the, the, the sticky the really sticky and stuff. it's a bit
1: embarrassing too. Like it's not yeah. something a league wants to be like. Hey, we got a problem here. Or no,
3: no, and they they clearly try to stick their head in the sand on a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of Fixing one area, they said, "Okay, we'll swing a little yeah. of the of the balance of power back to the hitters, and you know, change these balls and make them like golf balls so they fly off the bat." And then pitcher said, "Okay, if you're going to do that, we're going to get the really sticky stuff." You know, right. That's, that's what you're probably. It's kind of be going, you know, like volume back and forth. Um, we'll see. You know, we'll see how much this really affects hitting, and if it makes the you know the games lead to more action because it's, people are right. I mean, it's just becomes unwatchable with all the strikeouts. It's just home run
1: or strikeout. Mm-hmm. And they need, yeah, th- this is a start too, but I mean, this is not the answer. Well, like they've no. got to find, they've got to find a way there, there has to be more done. And if that means changing things about the, the game, then they're going to have to. So, and I'm not even saying huge drastic changes but i mean if they're going to crack down on shifts and stuff i'm yeah. fine with that the, the the um last night was it the dodgers and nationals are playing and this is not the first time it's been done before but i saw a twitter shot of the field and against kyle schwarber who's been going great guns for the nationals the dodgers had four outfielders yeah and yeah. three infielders and i barely softball. That was- <laughs> yeah but i mean you can and you can crack down on that
3: yeah, I mean, what is the one thing that we've heard
1: for like the infield shifts that like you have to have one feet on the grass or on the dirt? On the dirt, uh, um, yeah. No, a minor league is trying it with both feet on the dirt. So, so, so basically, the second baseman can't drop it in, can't be in right in, field. Uh, short right, right field, field yes. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't mind. You know, I think at this point,
3: basically anything should be on the table. Yes, there's no dumb ideas, and then and then you figure out you know what's realistic, what's you know what's not, and then because you're right. You know, I haven't looked at attendance across the league, but, um, or TV ratings, but just anecdotally, that's all you ever hear is like, I can't stand baseball, the product right now. And that's coming from baseball players, former baseball players are saying that like Mm -hmm. this game is just hard to watch. It's not even the same game. Exactly. Hey, Dex.
1: So you're 27, correct? Eight. Okay. Eight. Uh, You love the sport. Yes. But you're young as well. Mm -hmm. So like, what would you like to see done because I I mean I I think Chip and I both acknowledge that things need to be done yeah but we're really not who baseball's after it's far more people your age so what do you think can be done or what what would be going too far like to you where you would think that they're spoiling the sport that you love
2: you know I, I grew up loving this sport it's a hard sport to sell to other people who are my age like if you didn't I feel like it's one of those things if you didn't grow up playing Little League and watching baseball it's hard to get into it like basketball right now, like if you didn't watch basketball and you stumbled into basketball, you could be all in right now in the last few years. You really could. Mm-hmm. Even the last four or five with Steph and everyone, where baseball, it's so hard that, number one, I don't feel like they do a good job marketing their stars. You know, like Mookie Betts is an, obviously a stud. Mike Trout's great, but he's still super boring and no one wants to ever talk about him. You know, Tim Anderson, there, there's a bunch of these great flaring baseball players that you can totally get behind and market, but at the end of the day, they don't. And it, it's really, really frustrating. The games are incredibly long. I'm someone where I'm not a purist with baseball, so if they want to make these wacky rules with extra innings, like I'm okay with that. Um, I I really wish I had like a special sauce and a wave of magic wand that I can get baseball back to where it is. But like, if, if you're someone who's in your mid or early twenties and you're trying to discover baseball, I I don't really know what to I don't really know what to tell you. Like it, it's a it's a tough it's a tough pill to swallow.
3: Declan, how much do you think, too, it is a generational thing? And in, in just the way kids are raised now, and I, I'm thinking this is mm-hmm. the top of my head. The attention span of my kids is like three seconds. Right. They're on their, They're on their. you know, sometimes we'll watch a movie, and literally like three minutes into it, they're on their phone. They're Snapchatting or they're doing it. My wife does that. Joe. Yeah. It's, it's like they cannot. Yeah, if if you said, "Hey, let's sit down and watch a three-hour Twins game," yeah, th- they wouldn't make it a minute, no. without looking at their phone, doing you know Snapchat on their phone, playing a game, watching. You know, I always hear them over there. They got the ESPN highlights of the NBA. You know, coming. It, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, <laughs> I just think it's it. It might be. Just the nature of the game and how it's slow, methodical, yes. and there's not much happening. And kids nowadays are just like have ants in their pants. They can't sit still for five seconds and pay attention to anything.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, like even with with phones and upping TikTok and whatnot, you know, TikTok is obviously yeah. a new, new thing. You know, like that that is great for watching highlights. You know, they they're, they do some baseball to some of that stuff on TikTok where they show a, a big home run or they'll, you know, make it an exaggerated little video to get your attention span in. But it's such a slow, dry game that most teenagers and most young kids aren't going to sit there and, like you said, wa- let alone watch a three hour movie, they're not going to watch a three hour baseball game either. No.
3: Now, my kids would, they like going to the game. Yeah. they, you know, they like being in the atmosphere and they're standing kind of stand and just. Yeah. But if, like, if you said you will go to the game every night, they probably would. If you said we're going to watch, you know, go once a summer mm-hmm. and, and watch them on TV, they would have zero interest in that, like zero. And so I think it is. Part of just the way people in this generation is wired and the way they function now, and, and you have a game that just has no action. I think that's probably why you see so many teenagers that in the NBA is constant action, right? Yes, yes. It's, it keeps your attention. And, and so, superstars.
1: And superstars. Yeah. And star players, yeah. I think the thing baseball has, has to fix first before it can market its stars, as Declan said, to a degree to get uh, people to care a lot, is to fix the game itself, though. So like I you I I don't think if they started to do a great job with Shohei Ohtani and Mm -hmm. Mike Trout, Anderson Tatis, who is phenomenal, um, but they don't change the game and it still is you know time of game three fifteen. I don't think people are going to gravitate back to oh my god they're doing a great job with the stars. So I have to so I think they need to find ways to fix the game. And unfortunately, I think some of those fixes are going to be fairly drastic. Yeah, radical. Yeah, Yeah. and and but I mean I what but it's better than the game. But are you fixing it? Are you ch- are you chasing something you're never going to get by doing it? I think you have to take some chances. Yeah, I think you. D- I just think you do. I-, I mean, you can't have chip when, when we're gone. I mean, there's going to be a yeah. generation that replaces us. That's going to be like, well, I just didn't care that much. Yep. So yeah. although I will say this. My 18 my year old
3: threw me for a loop the other day. He, he said um, he said, I wish Otani played for the twins so we could watch him. So that's, you know, it's a big step for right? <laughs> you. know, the fact that he even knew Otani. Um, and you said cheap pole ads. I know. That's you're, right. you're like, cheap, <laughs> cheap pull <Yes>. ads. <laughs> that's,
1: that's right. Otani is, to me, a really interesting story um, this spring and summer as well on this. And I, I said this to uh, Phil and Dex a couple days ago as well, Chipper. Can you imagine if this was 25 years ago yeah. and Otani was Oh my gosh! Doing this No, it's, yeah. its a. I'm not saying it's not a big deal. Now is it as big as it should be? What he's no, doing? No hell no. That's what I'm saying. things like in the summer of '98, Fox oh, was gosh. interrupting games for the yeah. home run race on the bit, or I'm sorry, interrupting shows or like showing Cardinals games on the big Fox.
3: Yeah, I mean it. Yeah. So it, no, two decades question, ago it would be gigantic. It would be, but I, 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 you, you do wonder, like, if the average even baseball fan has a you know, a real appreciation of what this guy's doing, just how unique and historic this is. I think the answer is no, Declan. Yeah, it's no. <laughs> it's, no, it's, I just it's, think it's
2: not. It's, it sucks. I, like, I, yeah, and I, I love baseball. And and I think that's what's so frustrating about this Twins team. It's, it's one thing if they, you know, were fighting for 500 and they just were, you know, scrapping by here and there, like, yeah, it'd be a disappointment, but just how bad they've been this year. And with baseball being basically in the gutter, like it's, it's the worst, especially from a Twins fan side. It is the worst case scenario that's happening right now because baseball's literally on life support.
3: And how do you I think baseball is such a regional sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you make it a national sport? Well that's the what that's where I think you have to it's work shifted. on the game.
1: Yeah. I think you have to work on the game before you can even start to talk about, you know, a guy like Tatis or Otane being must see T V like an NBA player yeah. is. Baseball right now reminds me. Of what the NHL was, let's say in eighty in the late eighties. It reminds me just to, it's a really regional game. Uh where if your team's good, it's a lot of fun. You just follow your team. Yep. But I mean it's but it's also done everything it can in some ways to de emphasize itself without realizing, like, in my opinion, Rob Manfred was hired to do one thing orchestrate the lockout that we're going to see. Because yeah. he doesn't do anything that's good for the game itself. Yeah. And, and he doesn't seem to care or understand the game. Or like it. Or like it. <laughs> yeah. Which is, but and, and I mean, keep in mind, keep in mind, when Bettman got the job in, what was that, 92-ish or so, you know, he came from the NBA, and mm-hmm. he was another guy who was there to get the business of that sport in order. Yeah. Didn't really have a lot of care about the game at that time. So it's, it's just, and look. A lockout? I don't know what it's going to do, but I but wow. I know it's going to be a huge huge problem. <laughs> if you think people are tuning out now, right? But I mean, but. here's here's the problem. Right now, if they went out right now, hardcores like us might would be pissed off. But if they went out right now, the average person wouldn't care. In '94, no. it it caused passion
3: and anger, I, and 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 we're seeing it now with with the. Uh, you know, with the ballys and the, and the TV thing going on. We had a story the other day, I think is my did or your podcast that people have just found other, you know, yep. I, I remember doing a call. I talked to Dave St. Peter before the season it's like, oh my gosh, what are people going to do? They're going to have to, you know, they got to, yeah, they're going to have to bite yeah. the bullet. And, and you know, if they cut the cord, they're going to have to put it back together so they can get the twin. Well, people just said, yeah, forget that. I'll move on, do something else. And obviously when you have one of the worst teams in baseball. Yes. It makes it a lot easier if they had the best team in baseball, we might have, you know, a different conversation here, people would say, Hey, I gotta watch him. But um but yeah, people just realize, you know what? There's more to
1: life, there's more to summer than Whoa. sitting down and watching a baseball game. Hell yeah. And when your team's bad, mm-hmm. you really don't give a damn. Like it's, you know, they're they're not appointment T V by any no. means now. And you chip you nailed it. A lot of these games are unwatchable. Yeah. Like this team is unwatchable at times. Um transitioning to this. As a guy who has covered college sports for a long, long time, Chip Goggins, mm-hmm. how big, and I feel it's huge, but put into words for us how big the, the ruling that I think was implemented yesterday, name, image, likeness of college athletes can now be used for marketing purposes by the individuals.
3: Uh, it was a transformational week in college sports. Uh, I think you saw and you're seeing uh, the first – big step of college sports changing forever and long overdue. I never understood, you know, I don't know how you would say have a pay for play model where schools are going to pay. I I just don't know how that would work. There's so many different on even one campus. You're going to pay everybody, just scholarship partial. I mean, how, I don't know how that would even work, but I, I never understood the, the NCAA's hardline stance on name, image, and likeness. I just, it, you know, I wrote a column last Sunday about this former Gopher wrestler, Joel Bowman, who, I don't know if you remember the case, Jeff, but back in 2013, he was a wrestler, but he he was a musician, oh, uh, yeah. a rapper, and he, he made a, wrote a song and, and had a video of it, and some of his songs were on iTunes, and he was making some money. And the NCAA said, whoa, 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 whoa. That's, you know, that you're violating amateurs amateurism rule. So if you go by a nickname or an alias, you can still do it. But he's like, well, no, I'm going by Joe Bowman. That's how people know me. So he said, either quit wrestling or, and he said, well, I'll quit wrestling. And what harm would that have done for him to make some money off his music talent when he's a wrestler? I mean, it just it never made any sense. And so this is long overdue. And now it's been funny to, to see and, and great, um, all these college athletes were kind of having some fun with it on Twitter saying if anybody wants, you know, yes. Uh, if anybody needs me to be a spokesman and you've and you seen, you know, uh, ten, uh, ten, uh, excuse me, Tanner Morgan came out and he's doing is it cameo. Is that what the, mm-hmm. I think you're going to see probably a lot of athletes do that. Um, this is, they should be able to profit off their popularity and off their, I think where a lot of them are going to make their money. Cause I just don't know how many Maybe in in smaller towns, how many athletes on a campus realistically is going to be um, a spokesperson for someone? Because I was I was talking to uh, a university employee about this. Like, looking at Twin Cities, how many pro athletes, right, have have marketing deals? Kirk Cousins. Um, it's not a. It's ton. a handful at most, and so it's not like they're going to twenty go for athletes
1: are going to right. Are going to have, but you, know, you said it yourself with like a, a person like Paige. Paige Beckers could make a lot of money. The influencer thing yeah. on it, it's not the com, it's not the it's not the commercials or billboards. It's, it's the online. Media. Yeah, exactly. And I was I,
3: uh, I touched on this a little this spring when I went to the uh, women's final four and I did a big uh, story on Paige Beckers and I was talking to the CEO and founder. It's it's a uh, company that helps college athletes market themselves on social media. It's called open doors. And I think a lot of schools use them. I believe the Gophers use them too. their services. So they basically show athletes how you use your social media to make money, your brand. And I was talking to their CEO and I was like, how does this work? Like what, you know, what would page Beckers and they be worth and and they have a uh, formula. Some kind of they have, you know, they've studied years and years of data and this is what it'd be worth. And, I'll mess up the number. I bet I'm just going to throw it out. But it's like one tweet or one um, TikTok video or post would be worth $10,000 because of how many followers she has. She's over a million followers between Instagram, uh, Twitter, and I think TikTok. And so I think that's where you're going to – and somebody like Paige, I'm guessing – I haven't talked to her her dad or her, but I'm guessing someone like that would probably want an agent because – this this CEO of Open Door said, "I guarantee." And this was back whenever the women's final four. He's, he's. I guarantee you, there are companies lining up to have her advertise or be a spokesperson for. Imagine how popular UConn women's basketball is not obviously nationally, but in that region, yep. Northeast region. Yep. And there's not a bank or a car dealership or whatever, a grocery store that wouldn't love to have an autograph signing with Paige to have her on a billboard there. Mm-hmm. So she has a chance to make quite a bit of money next couple of years, you know,
1: when she's in college. So can you now take things as well? So like, can, like, can they get free merchandise from companies? Can they take, I, th- cause the, the previous line was you couldn't even take gifts. Yeah.
3: Well, so they're, they're trying to come up with a NCA basically, Cause they have no leadership threw this to Congress and said, help, yeah, come up with a federal law. so and, Exactly. So, he, so there were individual states that created their own NIL legislation, and I think there was 12 with a few more that were going to be coming through. So I think it's probably, and then so then the NCAA said, well, let's come up with a temporary kind of bridge to get us to, to where we can have uniform policy. So I don't know if it's up to each individual state, and like, this is what you can't do, this is what you can't do, but it's. Who's going to crack down, though, then. Well, that's if, the thing, yeah. If it's state by state. Yeah, who's going to, that's why they're trying to get a federal. You know a policy or whatever, and just say this is what you can do. I but you know, there. I, I saw a tweet. I forgot who it was, um, and I thought this was great. The athletic director at the University of Illinois, with with their basketball coach, they had a uh, a meeting with all the, you know, kind of big businesses there in Champaign, and brought him in just for an educational summit, and said, "This is NIL. This is how it works. This is what you can do. This is." um what you can't do but just kind of educated the companies there and said you know this is i'm sure it's like go through you know contact directly their agent through us i don't know if schools will have will have to hire a NIL employee now to Manage it, if that's the right word. Right, like you go through them, or at or, least or the agent. oversee. Yeah, because what's coming? You in. can have agents can get involved now, so you're going to want to have and people are. And you know what's going to happen there? Well, it is. Yeah, and it's it. it there's going to be some abuse of it. Well, and that's you know I, I've seen this like, well these small towns, and this is just going to create an even bigger divide between the the blue bloods and and you know this is going to really help Alabama and, and the big schools in recruiting. flash. <laughs> they already win the. I mean, have you seen the college football national championship? Well, it's it's three schools that play for it every year. So it, you know, if anything, this might help uh, other schools where you have something that you might be able to sell now in recruiting. Like if if I'm PJ Fleck or Ben Johnson or Lindsey Whalen, and I'm in recruiting or any coach, the soccer coach, right. if I'm in recruiting, I'm I'm saying, look at all these Fortune 500 companies, and look at this potential for you to make money off NIL. You're you're in a big city market where there's X number of uh, alumni running these corporations, and there's all these possibilities to make extra money off NIL. That would be a big recruiting pitch for me,
1: I would think. I would guess the big time, especially basketball, college basketball and college football coaches, the big time guys hate this. Well, I'm sure it's just one more thing to because for a because the the one thing the college sports has usually had is what they've had their thumb on the athletes. Sure. So it's like can't do this, can't do that. You're going to do this, you're going to do that, and so now th- this this is going to open doors that previously were never o- opened before. And it's one it's one thing if I'm a big time college football coach and I I set my uh I got a guy at the at the um, car dealership, right? And I get Mm -hmm. a couple kids' cars, but I control that. This is going to be way more of a free-for-all potentially for some kid that I don't think should be distracted. So, and and I mean, good, good for the players. I'm just saying, I would guess the Nick Saban's of the world hate this. Yeah. And I, I did talk to a former
3: gopher football player while back. And he said, I wonder how this is going to play in the locker room. Yep. That's a good. Yes. And, I don't. I don't. I guess there's a, there there is a potential that hey, well, this guy's getting money, and I'm better than him, and I should be getting it um, for pettiness. You, never. You yeah. You could have that dynamic, mm-hmm. but it also could be motivation to say hey, work harder, and you, you know, there's this kind of carrot out there. If you become a a really good player and a, a star player, it's gonna be really interesting. So, but it, but it, it also could create some tension in the locker room with guys making money and other guys not. I don't I don't know. I that I think it would be naive to say oh that'll never happen. And this is
1: why coaches wouldn't like and it. And that's why coaches wouldn't like yeah. it.
3: But um but y I know coaches are probably and there are people that are worried about you know some we know we're football or basketball's king saying, Hey, I want to I want you to advertise my product. I'll put you on a billboard for fifty thousand dollars. And it's like, no wait a second. Right. That's not what you would pay just anyone. Right. And so they they're worried about the unscrupulous booster getting involved here, but I, I would come back and
1: say, guess what? But that's, it, it happens already. But that's my question is what can the unscrupulous booster now do and can't do because those rules have probably shifted and or, or they have well, to at least have changed somewhat. And
3: that's where I wonder if schools, how much oversight are they going to be able to have to say, okay, you need to show us how much you're paying this. But if they try to, if you saw the, the Supreme Court 9-0 decision and Justice Kavanaugh basically, you know, kick the NCA and say your model's illegal, if there's any attempt to limit or cap how much an athlete can make, that's going to be challenged legally. I think the power now is with the athlete and the, the Supreme Court has basically said we think you cannot tell in a free market, you cannot tell somebody how much they make. So what is the line there between an unscrupulous booster just paying for? Uh, that's
1: what I was going to say. So so what if I look at that decision and say I'm just going to pay my quarterback? That's it's going to be very interesting to see how this is how this is. Con- and by the way, controlled I, if that's the right word. Well, I think it sounds like it's going to be a potential free for all, which from our standpoint would be great fun. But I will say this: I, I don't think the whole paying thing. I think it's going to become difficult in individual sports, so like football and basketball. But I will say. To me there's a very clear line of who should get paid and who shouldn't because this whole thing about well if you pay one of them you have to pay them all that's not necessarily true like if i play baseball i love baseball you yeah. know and i'm good at baseball guess what i don't do make a lot of money for my school yeah uh, if i play quarterback guess what i do make a lot of money so i do think that that i mean i would pay football i would pay men's basketball women's ba- basketball in a lot of circumstances has become very successful but like if i play soccer yeah, getting much. Sorry. Yeah, and it's but it's but even within that, Judd,
3: there's a big gap between the SEC and uh, even the Pac-12. So are you? Yeah. How are you gonna? Are you gonna have a, Just leave it up to the individual schools. You know what? So I, so I, that's why. I, that's why I think the pay for play is so complicated and so. I mean, who's to say who works hard? You know, the, the, and
1: and then you have Title Nine. You gotta you gotta worry about. Right, so that's where I think. But does Title Nine cover does Title Nine cover actual payments, or do I just need need to provide sports to X amount of? people? Well, it has to be equity. You know, if 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 you're flying, well, the, then
3: I'm gonna the men's you. basketball team. Uh, private, you better fly the women's basketball team. I'm right? just, you have to. It has to be. so that's why I think the really good compromise is name, image, and likeness. Let the athletes basically be their own right. brand, their own corporation, and make money off however they. It, you know what? If you're a very good women's soccer player, mm-hmm. but you have a
1: huge 100%. social media following, percent, you should be able to profit off that. Gymnastics. Gymnastics, Like There are Absolutely. some very well-known, yes. and they deserve that too. I just think where it's going to get really, like what you're saying in theory is perfect. I think where it's going to get really hanky is the fact that um when I give the quarterback a car and somebody's like, Whoa, where'd you get that car? And I say, Well, name image likeness. I gave it to him because he was doing something, it's gonna be it's a yeah, lot tougher I, now to draw that, that line and say, No, that's too much. Yeah, I d that's the question. I don't know, is it
3: if I if I'm um if I'm the quarterback and I am um you know, doing a deal with a car dealership do they just have to pay me money or can they give me a
1: new card or I, I don't know the gifts part. Of and it who yet. cracks down on that? Because the NC two A now seems so powerless and well, I'm not quite, I'm not quite sure why they still exist, but that's well, just a me thing.
3: That's, that's the next step. I said, this is the first big step. I think eventually you're going to see the N C A just dissolve. I just, I think there's so many, it's so fundamentally flawed and people are so sick of it right now. Um, who monitors it? I think that's what they're trying to figure out now if, with the, with the, a policy that covers the entire country and not just state by state. And then (laughs) is it up to the individual conferences? Do they, want to have some kind of, you know, clearinghouse where everything has to go through them? Or is it each school where you have a, you know, NIL officer where they, you know,
1: monitor. Good luck to that person.
3: Oh, but it's, you know, it's happening. And before the NCAA just kept saying amateurism, amateurism, it's not going to happen. It's like, guess what? You're behind now. And this is just the
1: floodgates of open. People are trying to play catch-up. So if that's the case, are, are we eventually going to end up with, basically it's going to be pro sports, especially the, the big sports. It's going to be pro sports. And are the conferences, as we know them, going to dissolve and be reformed? Because uh, I can't imagine in football, I can't imagine in 15 years from now, Alabama can still schedule cream puffs for non-conference games yeah. when when you're probably going to want them to play big-time games constantly. And Saban will be gone, so, like, his his era of cracking down on things is probably going to be gone as well. It just seems to me that we are going to go in a direction, like, this is just the first step through a door yeah. that's going to lead to this essentially mirroring, mirroring pro sports. Yeah, it, it will more and more.
3: I mean, you're seeing, you're already seeing, because of the playoff, teams starting to schedule more competitive you know, cross conference, you know, we'll see, you know, Wisconsin's playing Notre Dame this year and Alabama always plays yes. somebody good. Um, yep. And so you're going to see more in that. And, and, and the playoff is going to expand by a lot, which, uh, you know, I, I didn't see that happening this quickly. I'm very happy about this. By oh, way. it's great. Yeah. Um, initially I was always like, well, let's stay at four, maybe eight, because I wanted to protect the, the regular season, but I think the regular season, college football is the best thing going because mm-hmm. it's fun. But, but I do agree that, and I've read this argument and it's, I think it's true. Now, the more you think about it, it's like, it's not right. Like if, if a team loses week one, it's like, well, season's right. over. They, they can't get a playoff. They're, they're done. It's like, well, right. No,
1: wait a second. It should be more like college Come basketball. On. Yeah.
3: It's like where you're not dead. Yeah. You're not dead. And it's like,
1: well, you shouldn't be out of something if you lose. And the <laughs> other thing is in two, I know that you love the sport, Chipper, but in 2021, all of these ancillary bowl games, we don't, yeah. you know, let, let's make as many games meaningful as possible. Well, and,
3: and I do think even if you expand the playoff, we still might wind up with Alabama Clemson national championship sure. game. I'm fine with that. Um, I don't know. And the sport, when you're selecting or when you're recruiting versus drafting, it's inherently going to be a lack of Mm parity. It just is. Um, So I don't know how you get away or get around the lack of parity. I know they talked about scholarship uh, reduction for football to spread it out a little bit more. I just don't see coaches going along with that ever. I just, if they have a voice in it and they have power and as long as Nick Saban, some of these guys are there, they're not going to, their ads are not going to, and even, even smaller schools, within the the power, you know, uh, P.J. Fleck. Hey, P.J., we got this idea. Instead of having 85 scholarships, you're going to have 70. How do you think that's going to go over? Mm-hmm. It's not. I mean, coaches are going to resist it's... that. They're going to fight that all the way to the end. So I don't know how you get around the lack of parity and the, the fact that it's the same four teams playing for in the playoff every year. So even even if they expand it to 16 or however high you want to go, it's it's – they're not going to be able to get around that. And it's problem. not basketball. It's not basketball. No. When you, it's just, okay, it's, gonna it's, win. It's, it's apples and oranges. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but is, is, you know, are we going to inch closer
1: towards professional sports? I, I would say, yeah. Well, and, and they should, when, when you have networks, when, when your conferences own networks, yeah. you're a professional well, sport. Well, and
3: I say this in, in the comeback, it, which I think is just cliche and tired is, well, they get a full ride scholarship. That should be enough. Listen, I'm going to be paying two college tuitions this fall. And so I know the stress and anxiety of trying to figure out how that's going to work. Right. Right. But my kids do not help bring in billions of dollars for and
1: that's, the schools they're going to go to. They're not the same. And that's where I draw a line with sports. Like, I think everybody should be able to play sports for sure. But that's where I draw a line to say what brings in. I want to pay the people who bring in millions. Yeah. So if you or billions, right? So, but but I mean, so if you're in track or something, which is awesome, that's great. Do track, but you don't bring in potentially billions. Mm-hmm. The football team does, you know. Again, but, uh, the argument I was women's say that basketball that, bring can bring in a lot of money.
3: Yeah, you know, but even in football. Are you paying the third team walk on? Or oh hell no!
1: The, you know, but how, no. do, you, how do you differentiate? <laughs> you know what? I'm saying this is a life lesson, son. Yeah, I, I you're,
3: don't. That's you're a, a th-
1: third team walk on,
3: and that's the thing is, like, welcome you, to the
1: team. You ain't getting a dime, or even third
3: team scholarship guy that just never pans out. Is he getting more than the star track person, or more than Gable Stevenson? You know, I, you know what? And who's to say who works harder? You, you know what?
1: Know? I think if you're a football player and you're worth recruiting probably, good enough to, to recruit and start, I'm paying you. But, I mean, they're going to have to come up with something. Yeah. And and what's going to happen now with this new thing is you are going to have people being paid more and given things. And I'm just glad. I'm glad that we're taking a step towards the NCAA being powerless. This is a marvelous step. These people have – these people, you know, any of these amateur associations have cheated people for far too long. Sure. Well, wow. so did good. You see,
3: yeah, did you see? Like, I think the the stat was Mark Emmert, the NCAA president, makes four million dollars a year. Well, and these coaches are making eight, like nine, ten million. And o-
1: Olympic people for years, right? Yeah. I mean, it's they're basically trying to get as much as they possibly can, and saying no one else can. Exactly. It's a cash grab. It's, and so
3: I'm gl- I am glad this is long overdue. Yep. I'm glad that athletes are getting this opportunity to make money.
1: All right, let's go to this. I got something for you. Reckless speculation. All right, Ben Simmons. Before you leave, Ben <laughs> Simmons, do you think? Do you think that there's a decent chance? I would say yes. I do too. I think yes because I think I, I don't see how he goes back to Philly, right? I think that's done. I don't see how he can go back to that city. Yeah, like if the if it was Orlando, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, could work out. Philly. No. first free throw that guy misses next yeah. year is going to be on the Well, mass.
3: this playoffs felt like the point of no return for him I agree. there. Um, and so, and I think Gerson has proven that he will he will blow things up. I don't know if you have to blow it up to get him, but you have to, it would take a lot. Yep. Um, and what he would bring you, I think we talked about this on conduits. It would not be a... No brainer, or without reservations, because of his shooting, and and how do you get him past the mental hurdle that he has right now? Right. Um, but what he would bring you in terms
1: of and that playmaking, rebound, defense, especially, and the shooting does concern me. Well, yeah, it should that, that's not without. So it'll, I'm not saying it'll be, it'll be fine. He's worked on this before, and it hasn't worked out. The problem is, is it fixable? Well, I think
3: you can probably fix a me- guy's mechanics. To Where he can be a become a better shooter. I don't know if you can ever if you're a horrible shooter, I don't know if you're ever going to be a great shooter, you might be a better shooter, right? But I don't think it's a mechanics thing, I think it's it's mental. It's, it might be the yips, yep. And same, how do you, yep, that
1: that I don't know about, <laughs> that I have no idea well, how you fix. And it seems to, it seems to, um, become a problem when the pressure increases, which is no surprise. Mm-hmm. So the, the thing is, you could think it's fixed in January and then you get to the playoffs, it's not fixed. The one thing I will say is, I'd be curious to see. What happens taking him out of Philadelphia because it, you you know as well as I do, yeah, those fan- I mean the fans here on their worst day can't come close to that. no, no,
3: it, yeah, that you, you do wonder if that will be like a million pounds lifted off his shoulders and he would be able to just kind of get past it, but how do you know? yep, you know that's like I said, that's not an injury, it's not a mechanical thing, I don't think.
1: I think it's mental, and so how do you really know if a guy's beyond it? And the problem is you can't have a guy, because we have seen this with the current point guard. You can't have a guy like Rubio who can't shoot. Mm -hmm. Like, Like, you can say, well, just pass the ball, but it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Like, because the... When the defense doesn't have to worry or basically account for, for you, or, incur, or or worse, encourages you to shoot, yeah, that's a real issue.
3: Well, you know, you'd ha- was it Barkley that said he needs to, or uh, some I can't remember if it was Barkley, but said he needs to change positions and maybe work through the post because if he's out on perimeter, you're playing four on five, they just sag off and you, you know he's not going to shoot. Right, that's the Ruby Um But the other thing is, Judd, I mean, we saw in that that game seven playoff game. He couldn't even be
1: on the court at the end of the game. I know. And he didn't so want... how do you have one of your best players not on the court? In... And the problem, too, was he didn't even want to go in for a dunk because he was yeah. afraid he's going to get fouled and then have to shoot free throws. So he passed it, which I feel bad for him at that point. Yeah. Like, that's just tough to watch. So does that give them so
3: much pause that they don't even push forward that hard? Or do they say, you know what? Getting him out of Philly and
1: we can a clean slate. And, well, and can you imagine him defensively, though, on yeah, the, well, the immediate upgrade? Because oh, this team, I don't know this team has the internal defensive fixes. Judd, if, if so Edwards, you know, he's he's young.
3: Mm-hmm. Will he get better yet? Yeah. But with the other guys that have been in, that are established in the NBA, are you automatically just going to become a great defensive player? Probably not. No, You sort of are who you are.
1: You might be a little bit better. Well, a fixture system installed might yeah. help, yeah. But it's not going to. But but he would give you such an upgrade immediately huge, in that one huge a- area yeah. that it would help offset what he couldn't do shooting wise. But I'm with you. I don't think that you can just say, "Well, he can't shoot. That's fine. That's not fine."
3: Yeah. No. You would have to have a detailed plan of this is how we're going to use him to m- to minimize the impact of his lack of shooting or you know how right. because it can't be you can't just say we know it's a liability but we'll just you know ignore it because he's going to give us great defense and rebounding and passing you have to have a plan to mitigate
1: that so do you trade you trade Beasley
2: mhm
1: you probably have to trade a draft pick or two again which isn't great but you probably have to do it russell probably right do you trade russell because that what duke's told us was russell and simmons played high school basketball together and the ultimate goal might be to actually have them together here. So it would be Beasley draft picks, uh Rubio's expiring contract, which would help them. The, the question becomes this what would somebody else offer for a player who's broken? Because yeah. that's that's the one thing is we don't know what the seventy sixers could get elsewhere.
3: I mean, could you get them without including Russell?
1: I think it'd be difficult, but I I
3: just I it depends on how desperate Phil is That's else what I was gonna gets. say. But we don't we don't yeah.
1: know we don't know what the rest of the league thinks sure and i will say this in the wolves case the defensive upgrade would be so substantial oh, yeah. that you'd probably give up more than some teams
3: yeah and i agree because that that's just the one area that they really really have to cuz you feel like you got between towns and ant i mean you you have guys that are going to score um so i just i would be a little bit i don't know shocked but to be able to get him and not include Russell, I don't know if that would work. I don't know if Philadelphia would would go for that, but
1: I could be wrong. Fantastic stuff, Chipper. Thank you very much, Alrighty, brother. Don't forget though, it's a Friday. We got rom com rewind. I want you to go home and listen to this, Chip. She's out of my league. A film that, if nothing else, your kids should probably see. Declan loves it. It is a great movie. I've never seen it. Good one. <laughs> Good for you. All right, bye. Oh, She's not into me. There are very few things in life that I am absolutely certain of. Um, this chick does not like me. Oh, don't be such a lay-down Larry. I'm, I'm not being a lay-down Larry. It's just like me saying that uh, I'll never go to the moon, and I'm all right with that, too. You don't want to go to the moon? Bullshit. No, I'm saying that I never will go to
0: the moon, um... And that's fine, because I never expected to. You don't know that. Technology and stuff, you just might go to the moon. He's right. No, that, this girl is like
3: hot if you thought these guys spent every waking hour of their
0: lives doing manly things like watching sports while yelling at their tvs shaving with straight razors and revving their v8 truck engines well yeah think again it's time for mackie and Chad to turn in their man cars this is rom com rewind obviously this is very manly i love Kurt. let's face it the guys are five. that's just a dirty pool it's at least six six come on cut him some slack look half a point because he's a nice guy right and he's funny so that's half a point each that brings him to six definitely right meanwhile this molly
3: is a hard ten and that five point disparity that is a chasm chasm
1: chasm and you can't jump more than two
3: players. Come
0: goals. on now, play the man, not the pump. Uh,
1: okay, I'm sorry, the player that I was screaming at is a forward, but for some reason he keeps hanging back at the blue line with all the defensemen.
2: But you realize that they're hanging back right now because they're trying to kill a power
1: play. Uh, that is exactly what's happening.
2: Oh, no! Damn it, Fox, keep your stick down! That felt good. Yes. <laughs>
3: She knows a strange amount about
0: hockey. Yeah, Yeah. That's right. She's out of my league. One of the great sports movies of 2010, gentlemen. <laughs> it's amazing how sports and rom-coms keep intersecting for us in these, in these movie review shows. Pittsburgh
1: must be a cheap place to shoot films or was because we we had a <laughs> was, yeah, was
0: Cincinnati unavailable. Like, well, we, <laughs> we had a
1: uh, it feels like a strange amount of film shot in Pittsburgh for like a, a three year period. It's like I would never think of, you know, where we should shoot this film. Pittsburgh, um, Pennsylvania.
0: Maybe yeah. they had some nice tax breaks or something. That's what I'm really thinking. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm thinking. So uh, this is RomCom Rewind, part of the Mackie and Judd movie review franchise, action movie rewind, sports movie rewind, and uh, Rom-Com Rewind. In this week's deep dive, She's Out of My League, a 2010 romantic comedy. And uh, it's presented by our friends at Dennis Kirk, quite possibly the most opposite Thing you could find to rom coms, but they're comfortable in their masculinity at Dennis Kirk.com. They have 160,000 parts and accessories. If you like to ride, Dennis Kirk is here for you. If you order by 8 p.m., they ship the same day, and shipping is free for orders over $89. Uh, Dennis Kirk.com. When the open road calls, head to Dennis Kirk.com. Now that we've got the manly stuff out of the way, boys. Let's turn in our man cards. I'm sure they're thrilled to
1: be tied into
0: rom-comery. They're like, this is what Dennis Kirk always wanted. We need the rom-com boys. That's right. All right, here's the summary of She's Out of My League. Kirk is an average guy stuck in a dead-end job. Can't believe his luck when a gorgeous, successful woman named Molly falls in love with him. With no help from his stunned friends, relatives, and ex-girlfriend, Kirk must figure out how to make this unlikely relationship work, even though he's the first to admit that Molly is way beyond him. You might say Molly is way out of his league. 58% on Rotten Tomatoes. And the Rotten Tomatoes critics' consensus says, She's out of my league has moments of humor and insight, but it's bogged down by excessive vulgarity and cartoonishness. $20 million budget turned into $50 million at the box office. A lot of people acted in this movie. I've basically never heard of any of them, oh. so I'm not even going to give you the list. Oh. Uh, I'm sure Declan has, yeah. right in
1: the his wheelhouse. St- this Stainer guy, if you look it up, had, yeah, he had some seen subsequent. him in a few things. Yeah,
2: he's, he he's, some, he's probably the most he prominent.
0: Some, he had some subsequent uh, problems, I think, with the Me Too movement as well. Oh, good for good for him for being a creep. All right. Uh, so let's start with, I just want to say, I told this to Declan off microphone. Mm-hmm. I had never, I don't know if I've ever even heard of this movie. Certainly never mm-hmm. seen it. Mm-hmm. I took more notes about this movie than almost any movie that we've reviewed in any of the three genres of Mackie and Judd movie reviews. I have takes for days on this movie. We'll, we'll start with Judd. What was your main takeaway of She's Out of My League?
1: My main takeaway was, and th- this is going to sound, the first part's going to sound weird against the second part of what I say. But my main takeaway was I've seen this film about a thousand times. I've seen it done Better about nine hundred and ninety-five times, because as Phil said, the problem the problem is actually it's not length. The length is fine. The what?
0: Whoa! Prob- hold on. Breaking yeah, news. Break, yeah. Breaking it, news. It was Judd fine. It is fine with the length. It didn't, of the didn't the bother
1: movie. me. I, I've been fine with the length of about three films, and this one was fine. the The uh, takeaway, though, was I've seen this film done a thousand times and nine hundred and ninety-five times. The actors, the they've at least gotten john cusack who is who in that main role would have been phenomenal like the guy was fine he tried hard but but there are so many actors that i've seen played that role and do it really well yeah and this guy was he played it all he was so stereotypical of the role that it really didn't do much for me um what? all of that being said so i mean the, the film was a microwave rom-com we've seen it before it's okay it's fine but I actually the weird thing about this is and I don't know why because at 51 I shouldn't I've always enjoyed films like this so like I didn't hate it I, I didn't sit there saying this is stupid I don't like I'm just saying like if you think about the actors that have done that main role or been the supporting friend there have been a lot of really good ones who do it really well, and I thought the guys that they got were okay, but they were okay. They they didn't take it to a different place. And and so, like, the predictability of the script is not surprising. Like, you know what the script yeah. is. Yeah. Um, it's the actors who either lift the script or they don't, and in this
0: case, these guys didn't really lift the script. All right, I'm, 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 I'm trying to decide right now. So I have my main takeaway, which I will unleash here in a second. But you just hit on, like you just tap danced all over my least favorite thing of this movie, and so I'm trying to decide: should I just go with that now and piggyback? I think I'm going to. I'm just going to piggyback off what, what you just say. Okay? Yeah, you're it's shot. our right? franchise. Damn it. Yep. So the so <laughs> my least favorite thing off of Judd's main takeaway is that this movie was written for Seth Rogen. I'm 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 not yeah. reporting this or like I'm, this yes. movie was written for Seth Rogen to star in it. But Seth Rogen had already done this movie like three or four times. He, he did uh, Knocked Up like three years earlier, which I believe the main uh, – the guy who played Kirk was also in yep. Knocked Up as one of yeah. his friends. So he, So it's like he graduated – like they wanted to do Knocked Up. And Knocked Up had Katherine Heigl mm-hmm. and had Seth Rogen and other peripheral stars, right? Like and Paul knocked Rudd up. was Paul in, Red's it. in it. Yep. Was the yeah. man, yes, yeah. yes. You're, you're exactly right. Like mm-hmm. they needed the schleppy sort of loser guy, and they needed some way for him to connect with this out-of-his-league woman, right? And in Knocked Up, it was they, they get drunk and do drugs and hook up, and she gets pregnant, and that's how they're connected throughout the rest of the movie. In this case, it doesn't even make sense how they're connected, but we'll get to some of that stuff later. So I'm with you, Joe. We can dive more into this later. But, like, if you replace the lead actor with Seth Rogen, this movie is ten times, like, better at the box office. It works better. It makes more sense because Seth Rogen is the underdog schleppy guy that's still funny enough, charismatic enough, and confident enough to land a woman like that. But, but this movie, this is my main takeaway. This, I loved watching this movie. And I'm glad that we reviewed this movie, and, I'm gl- and I'm, I'm a, I am a Somalier of rom-coms, and I am glad that we found a flavor of rom-com here, a, a brand of rom-com that I have not yet indulged in. And so for that, I am grateful. Thank you, Declan, for bringing this movie to our attention. This movie infuriates me is my main takeaway because movies like this give false hope to normal, boring guys thinking they can land a woman like that, okay? You will not land a woman that beautiful without one of these four qualities – confidence humor money or incredible looks you have to have one of those four qualities or you will not if as they say in the movie there's too much of a chasm a gap if you're a five and she's a 10 looks wise you need to be funny you need to be rich you need to be uh super confident in some way and like this dude was like this woman had nhl hockey players fawning over her okay she walks through TSA security at the airport and can literally handpick any guy she wants to go on a date with. And she chooses the normal guy TSA agent who's not funny, he's not confident, he's not good-looking, he's not rich. I mean, she would have bolted after five seconds in real life in any of the scenarios in which they were together. And so, like, the fact that this movie provides hope. To normal guys, that they can land a woman like that is really a shame, and it's a detriment on society. And that's my main takeaway.
1: Can I defend it for one second, though, off of your point? Because most of us. As a, a as a fellow guy I who outkicked with. his coverage, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but yes, can I, <laughs> can, can, no, no, no. I, actually, the right, actually, the writers attempt to do at least explain this part. So I'd like to defend them.
2: Oh, Roger Ebert, okay.
1: She was, <laughs> she was coming off breaking up from super hot guy. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the explanation of... Now, I agree. The relationship wouldn't last. And, and like, w- when he freaks out the first time on her, I think they're done. But at least they tried to explain it as sh- she was trying to find a nice guy. Now, I I've thought that that was really more of a friend zone type of thing between them. But nonetheless, at least they didn't have no reason why she wouldn't like a guy who was sort of a schlep for, for a very short time.
0: Yeah, like, toward the end of the movie, like, her dialogue was... Because he was like, "Why would you like?" Doesn't he's even saying like this doesn't make any sense? Why would you be with me? And she's like, "Well, you won't break my heart, right?" Right. That was her line. So I'll give him credit but, for that. But bit. there's a but my issue with that is, yeah, he's not going to break your heart because he's like five levels below you on the date ladder. But she- there's got to be someone who's better looking, who's more confident, oh, who's yeah. more funny, or has more money that's between where he is and where her ex boyfriend is. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually just couldn't get over that. Like, it, it we'll we'll get to the final rating at some point, but. The the whole, they needed some sort of better hook for why they were together in the first place, which which we can get to as well. But Dex, the, like, enti- the,
1: the entire okay. thing. But before you go, Dex, the
0: entire thing
1: felt like they basically were if the if the tears of of people who write these scripts are like high school, college, and like graduate class, right? This felt like um, around a freshman in college who is trying to, to, to Phil's <laughs> point, because you're exactly right, he's trying to copy, like, the Jason
0: Seagal, Seth Rogen, mm-hmm. James Jason, Yeah, Jason Seagal would be a great – he's another one. Seagal, yeah, not if, Seagal. If, if, if that dude was in this movie. Well, go look at – what's the movie with him and Mila Kunis?
2: Sarah Marshall, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which is – great. A, so, great film. so
0: you've got Knocked Up and Forgetting Sarah Marshall yes. are basically, like, the same concept Yes. done with more prominent and better lead <laughs> actors. Yes, yeah. Anyway,
2: sorry, Dex, go ahead. All right, main takeaway. Uh, first off, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm just going like I'm just, That's fine. It's one of my all-time yeah. far- I saw this twice in theaters.
0: <laughs> oh my okay. This is also you were you were probably what like a senior in high yeah. school when this came out. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. so this this is your like when I was a senior in high school, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days yes. was my jam. Um, So you get like you get you're so impressionable when you're 18 and it molds the next 10 years of your life.
2: And it's right. It was right after like even I can recognize the connection to the knocked up and Sarah Marshall. It's like the extreme, not even diet. It's like the Coke Zero version of this movie. Like there's diet and then there's zero calorie version. This is kind of that version of those movies. But my main takeaway is you crapped on Kirk not being able to get that girl. This is my life. I am Kirk. Yeah, but dude, but, but dude, no, you're, you're, not. you're not, dude. I'm you're, not Kirk at all, You're a no, hundred
0: times more confident. You confidence. Yes,
2: yes, yes. No, my yes. confidence That's is through the, confidence. Roof, through the roof compared to That's Kirk. That's why he has he got great hair. Zero, oh, yeah, I have great hair, too. You're better
0: looking than Kirk. Gotta yeah. Say. He That's has
2: true. zero confidence. I get that, though. But but I have always identified with him in this movie, and every time I see it, it brings me back to the same type of conclusions I run into. It's like, oh, wow. How have I have outkicked my coverage, even with the relationships that haven't worked out how have i usually always outkicked my coverage like this i always identify with kirk i have a lot of good kirk vibes i'm not the same person i i can admit that i i am definitely way more confident than him but my main takeaway is i've always identified with kirk and i love this film
0: okay two things one you're selling yourself short young lad okay we're here to the, the, these are your sport. Your sports dad is here. Your sports uh, stepdad or big brother, whatever. Man, I think I big brother. brother. Yeah, I don't know how yeah. you. R- R- Rami was stepdad. It didn't work out <laughs> so We fought a lot. Yeah. <laughs> the claw. Rami moved right. away. Yeah. So so yeah. number one, you're too hard on yourself. But number two, when guys talk about, because it's a big thing with guys, like, oh boy, you really outkicked your coverage yep. there, right? But you never hear a woman say that because guys have this misperception. Listen right. to me right now, like dating guru guy. Guys have this misperception that looks are the thing that women care about the most, but they don't. Mm -hmm. If women are making a list of things they care about, like, yeah, you can't look like elephant man, but, like, they want to know that you're confident. They want to know that you're pretty funny. They want to know that you're a good communicator. They want to know that even maybe before looks, they want to know that you're financially stable to some extent, like you have a job. Like, looks for men, looks are, like, the number one thing and the second thing and the third thing, and then we can talk about everything else after, right, because we're just, like – first level thinkers when it comes to dating. So when like when you say you outkicked your coverage, I don't know, man. Let's go through the checklist again. Confidence, humor, money, and good looks. All right? Okay. You're certainly not Elephant Man. No. You're an overly confident, potentially like unwarrant unwarranted, overly confident guy, right? Right? Yeah. And you're funny. Like you're a pretty funny dude. Like you got one liners and so you actually check like two and a half or three of the main boxes for a woman being attracted to you. Right. And that's what didn't make sense about this movie. This dude checked none of those boxes. And, so, and, uh,
1: and he had no desires in life.
0: Right. Man, he had no, you had no I ambitions. Have, have no.
1: Yeah, no, I I mean, you're, you're not close. I, I see you Declan in high school, probably be, being more part of like the American pie type of group of people.
0: Yes. Not Shermanator. Not, no, 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 but I, not, no, not Finch. but, but I'm just, but I'm just, you're not Stifler, that, though. No, what kind of Jim. You're you're, yeah. you're like a better looking Jim. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah,
1: yeah. But Jim was funny, and it was yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> but I mean, no, I mean, you are not this guy. You are not this guy. It's a fine thing this is to yeah, say. But American sorry. Wedding was on a couple nights ago. That's a great movie Man. too. My God, those that are whole great franchise. Are we gonna we got to get another sequel, right? Where they're like forty five year old adults and they have kids and stuff. Yeah, I gotta it's be gotta close be. now, right? I think so. Yeah, make that thing happen. All right. Uh, favorite part about this movie, Judd. Next
1: category here. Okay, mine is not going to surprise you guys and be completely predictable, but that's fine. It was the hockey game itself. Of course and, but, so. but then, but then the most important part was the, was the slap shot regatta in the yep. basement between Dylan and Kirk, yep. which by the way, might be the, in my opinion, the best original scene in the film. Yes. Like I didn't see it coming. Um, the, the Dylan character I thought was hilarious. The obnoxious brother, who's just a complete loser. Uh, but a loud mouth and swears constantly and like can't and, and like challenges them to the Slapshot regatta, but loses. Why are you here?
0: Are you a social worker? Yeah. <laughs>
1: my brother, Dylan, his fiance, Debbie, and uh, my Barney and Ron.
2: <laughs> hey, everybody.
1: This is when you say hi, Molly. Who are you? She's Molly. Why is she here? Came with me. Did you hit her car or something? Jesus! No, but thank you for asking. Are you a social worker? Nope. Oh Are we being evicted? No. Are you a hooker?
2: Dylan. Or
1: a prostitute? I mean. Oh my god.
0: <laughs> are you? I love are that. You yeah. a
2: social yeah. worker?
1: <laughs> that whole that whole oh, scene though was yeah. was to me probably the best scene because yep. it was actually it it actually had. Not a ton, but it had originality to how it
3: yes. was
0: th- thought out. Yes. And the Slash Shot Regatta, I thought, was hilarious. No, you're right. Um, My favorite part of this movie was it was a tie between two things, both in the second half of the movie. I am a huge stan for Hall & Oates, and so the fact I that we had a Hall & Oates cover a, band. I wrote
2: this down, too, for you. We had
0: we had Congrats. him singing Kiss on My List, uh, yeah. and then and then Kirk gets on the microphone, he's like, all right, we'll come back here, and they'll play some more uh some more uh, songs across different uh, bands from the 80s, and the guy shakes his head. Now he's, I guess, just Hall & I guess we're just playing Hall & adult, <laughs>
2: adult education. Yep. What a great, great you would, cover band. You would actually pay good money, I feel like, to go see a Hall & cover band. Uh, I have I have seen a Hollow Notes
0: cover band, actually. I saw a Hollow Notes <laughs> cover right, band in versatile. Duluth on the waterfront one time, I feel like. Good. Um, uh. Well, I'll say this. Okay, Hall & Oates is one of my all-time favorite bands. I did see them about three years ago at the XL Energy Center. Mm-hmm. They're oh, not the... throwing fastballs anymore. Mm-hmm. Daryl yeah. Hall, who's one of the greatest singers of all time, doesn't quite have the range. And they're just not meant to play in front of, like, fifteen or 20,000 yeah. people in an arena. Like, they don't – they're not running around. Mm-hmm, There's true. no, like, pyro. Like, they're just on stage jamming. So, I don't know, smaller venues. But so they're, so – the Hollow Notes cover band was definitely one of my favorite things. And then I love the scene toward the end where Kurt give he stands up on the airplane with his Branson, his corny Branson <laughs> sweatshirt on. And he gives the bleep you speech to everyone in his family and flicks all of them off and just like just cuts them down at the knees and then tries to get off the plane. And she's like, yeah, sir, we've already – like, the plane is already about to take flight. Yeah. It'll be $25,000 fine if you try to force your way off this plane. And then he has to just go sit back with his family. Yeah. It's excellent. <laughs> so I thought those were those are good scenes.
2: Uh, two things. Number one, Slapshot Regatta 2. Judd is one of my all-time favorite parts. So one time in college, we actually, it wasn't just one time. We did this multiple times. We played Slapshot Regatta a lot in college at my friend's house. Because we loved, my friends loved this movie. We literally set it up. Put on couch cushions, baseball glove, and everything. And we would, we put tape against the wall downstairs in a disgusting, sticky college basement and played Slapshot Regatta all the time. It was, it's a very, it was a very normal thing we did at St. Cloud State. So, yeah, Slapshot Regatta was absolutely life. And we actually applied it outside of this movie. It is a hilarious scene. Um, Love it. My other favorite part, I I just love the friend group because you get four really different guys here. Like T.J. Miller is like his best buddy in the raunchy, really like over the top in a hollow cover band, um, like kind of <laughs> similar to Kirk, but maybe just like more, con- obviously just more confidence. Like he's pretty much the same guy as Kirk, just he has a lot more confidence and a little funnier. Um, and then you have the dork. I, I, I'm forgetting on the, the name, but the, the bigger dork guy who actually is married and like gives the cheesy and corny advice. And then you have, like, just the good-looking friend who is kind of a bloof and, like, probably could be replaced in this movie. Like, he's very forgettable of, of, the, of the three friends. He's, like, the least important of, of them all. But I love how each one of them brings something different to the table to Kirk. And it's relatable to your friend group as well. So I think those, those are my two favorite parts.
0: Yeah. Uh, I just thought of another movie that is like this. What Bill Hader and Amy Schumer. LeBron James oh, Train wreck. in it. Trainwreck. Trainwreck. Train wreck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Bill Bill Hader is kind of a like just like a nerdy. Yeah. He's like the nerdy. But Bill, great. But Bill Hader has a job working with LeBron James and some of the top athletes in the world. Yeah. Right. And so that kind of validates his status more than uh this guy. All right. Least favorite part about this movie, Judd. Uh,
1: so this film basically went about itself as a very stereotypical guy film, like what guys do, guys guys think that you know girls only judge them by looks, which is Phil said he's right is not true. Um. But then there was one thing that went way off script and quite frankly, like I know that they were trying to go probably against type here, but it doesn't make sense. So let me get this straight. Kirk is about to get the opportunity to consummate consummate the relationship with Molly. And now I understand, I understand that they could have come up with some stereotypical problems for, for him that would have stopped that from happening. But instead he sees that she has the webbed foot and freaks out completely and ends and basically ends the night and ends the opportunity. And he walks out that made made no sense. No sense. No (laughs) guy would. Now, now would that happen to a woman who's upset? Maybe. I don't know. Can't speak for them since I'm a guy, but I could tell you right now, it made no sense that that would cause him like he's so mad and so up in his own feelings that that's when he's going to storm out after all of that i it, it i just can't buy it
2: yeah the, that whole thing was super weird it guys uh, uh guys have consummated relationships for a lot less so i, I it, it it was it was pretty it was pretty ridiculous that whole scene is pretty ridiculous
1: yeah but uh, yeah exactly i i mean you're that age and you've got that opportunity and now you're gonna you're lying in the sand as well you're you are too perfect
0: what? Yeah. I mean, you've already made it this far, man. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. yeah. Right. And she even calls him for having major self-esteem issues. Like yeah. that. that would have been the uh, his self-esteem would have like it would have ended the interactions. She would have sensed it in the first 30 seconds of them interacting at that. And actually, that brings me into Miley's favorite part of this movie. Yeah. It's a good segue. The whole like the whole premise of how they came together in the first place. So she loses her phone at the airport. And then her friend calls it random, like, try, just tries to see if somebody's going to pick up the phone, right? And he picks up the phone. Um, and so correct me if I'm wrong here, but he wouldn't have – like, when he shows up at that party, he, he wouldn't have remembered or known that her name was Molly. Mm. Like, it was just a random person. Or did he know that it was her no. phone specifically?
2: Well, num- yes, she did because uh, when she leaves the phone in the bin – he gives her her boarding pass and says, oh, Molly. And she says, oh, thanks, Kirk. Got it. So the, okay. the name okay. interaction's there. And obviously she's a very noticeable looking woman. So, yes, I think he would have remembered her even going into an so, arc a day later.
0: So beyond that, here's where this transaction and interaction would have ended in real life. Like none of this would have happened. Like you would have just, hey, can you just leave it with airport security and I'll go back to the airport and get it? Like you would never invite random TSA agent guy to a party, right? Like. But let's, let's suspend that disbelief and say, all right, now that he's at the party with the phone and shows up, he shows up in his full TSA gear. He's given off super weird, like insecure, kind of creepy vibes, yep. and his friend is super weird. She politely offers them a couple drinks, just like, hey, can I at least get you a couple drinks? Mm-hmm. At that point, the interaction is over. <laughs> like the transaction's over. Everything about it is over. You got my phone back. I got you guys a couple drinks and your friend a couple drinks. You're giving off kind of a weird vibe, and there's all these other, like, former athletes and good-looking guys all around, right? But, no, she feels bad that they got kicked out of the party because whatever, like, they didn't pass the smell test and, and then offers them Penguins tickets. And, like, at no point did it make sense that she was attracted to him, I guess, is my least favorite part of this movie. It didn't add up. At least it knocked up. Well, <laughs> oops. Oops. She's pregnant. I guess this is now a forced interaction that we have to go through with for the rest of the movie, right? Right. This was not a forced interaction. This was like an opt-in interaction that didn't make any sense after the party was over.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. Dex? Uh, My least favorite part, uh, Marnie and the Pirate. Just the the fact that, and you could could probably even put this in least believable because it doesn't make any damn sense, uh, but the fact that, an ex-girlfriend of his is basically not just like be one thing if she was maybe adopted in the family, like maybe 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 it was an amical split. And and you guys had like a decent relationship and she's still part of the family. I could see that. I, I That does make some sense to me. But the fact like her new boyfriend is now also part of the family and he was also still going on the hilarious Branson trip together. I, I despise their dynamic. It is fun. there are some funny scenes with her when she's obviously trying to like live up to the same level of being a ten as Molly like at dinner and at the at the pool scene and whatnot. but you know she's just the worst human being. She's literally terrible. All of her friends hate her it's it's that that part is also relatable when you have your friends that absolutely despise a girl that you're still chasing after like that definitely exists as well. Um, but Marnie and the pirate are easily my least favorite part of this entire movie.
0: Do we ever get a clear explanation for why she was living with his parents still other than just like, oh, yeah, we still
2: kind of adore her. Like uh, that was weird. Uh, she, she says at the beginning uh, when he gives her that terrible earring gift thing, you know, with the heart shaped yeah. jewelry. Uh, she says to him, like, you know, like I'm not close with my family and I'm very thankful that your family has basically adopted to me as one of their own. So like that was kind of the cut and dry answer. Then there was no other substance to it, but that was basically the reason. She just said she wasn't close to her family, and her fam- and his family being the terrible family that they mostly are, just included mm. her into the family after the breakup.
1: But they had a swimming pool, so that was cool. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that's very in cool. Pittsburgh. Which, pool. by the way, I would imagine that you wouldn't have a swimming pool if you unless you were super wealthy in Pittsburgh. But that's just going to be my <laughs> guess. Yeah.
0: Uh, okay, we're on to least believable part of this movie.
1: Okay. Another. Molly and Kirk scene. So they're making out on the couch and it starts to get and it starts to get hot and heavy. And that's great. Like I totally get that. That's good. Good scene so far. But then not surprisingly, Kirk has an accident because
0: he gets a little excited. Molly's very,
1: very attractive, and he's not, you know, I mean, this is first time in a long time for him. Totally get that. But then the subsequent it's supposed to be funny. But the subsequent thing where her, her mom and dad and sister come to pick up the dog un, and surprise them and knock on the door and come in. And Kirk is there like trying to hide the fact that he's had an a- accident. And it gets to the point where they decide to have Mr. Pickles, the dog, go and try and lick Kirk's pants. And throughout all of this, Molly has no idea what's going on. Like the fact that she she's like, Why why did you leave like that? Why didn't you wouldn't even shake yeah.
0: my dad? Okay. Okay. She she would think at how can I say this without being too graphic? At the very least she would think that he needed a few minutes to uh get a little less excited, right? right. Like, at the very least. But, but, like, let's say she was just stupid,
1: which I think her character was not supposed to be stupid, but let's just say she was stupid and dense. When Mr. Pickles goes and licks Kirk's pants, like, <laughs> you Pickles. you would figure out, oh, something's happened here. You know, Kirk's got some problems. Not, why wouldn't you shake my, dad, my dad's hand? It was, they were trying so hard to go for the laughs at times that I think they didn't really think, you know what? This isn't really funny because we're selling the we're selling characters that we want the public to buy into. Really short.
0: Yeah, and I think you know that scene. This is a perfect example of how a, a better actor would have improved his way into just a better version of that scene. Right? Like they they needed some sort of along came Polly kind of like Ben Stiller with the you know Ben, what? St- ben Stiller would have been another. That's uh, what's the Ben Stiller franchise where he's with his wife and he's kind of a goofy uh and and he's and the family hates him you know well, you try to milk jinx you the cat meet, meet the parents. parents right yeah parents. but but like but like along came polly where he's got the you know he's got the uh what you call it hanging from his earlobe like you needed some sort of funny stamp okay. on that scene
1: you just hit it though i think in in production and going through this film the guy that played kirk would have said this is not plausible like both him and the Molly characters would have said, this doesn't work. It's not that it's not, it's a bad idea. And a guy like Stiller would have said, we either need to rewrite it or act it out differently. Uh, Something about Mary, the scene where he's got the supposed hair gel. That's
0: what that, that's the movie I was
1: thinking. Right. About. But yeah. I mean, think about how funny that was because it was so over the top. Like there was no like trying to explain it or anything. It was just this hilariously gross scene, but it was great. So I think you're right. I think that if these actors and the people who did the film, like, somebody should have said, this makes no sense. There's a
0: better version of this. Let's we'll yeah, follow let's, my lead here. We needed, yeah. we needed a Tom exactly. Hanks thespian to come in and be like, no, 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 no. We're going to rewrite this on the fly. Oh,
1: I, didn't, I didn't give that thought, but you're exactly right. That's
0: <laughs> hilarious. Uh, for me, the least believable part was when Kirk is, let's say, uh, mowing the lawn for the first time in a long time. Yes. Right? Yeah. And he has his buddy yeah. do it for him. Yeah, yeah that's that
2: one. just... No, that's what I'm very yeah. comfortable with some of my friends like extremely comfortable <laughs> that would never go that would that wouldn't that would never be a goal for me zero chance
0: it zero chance. Oh, yeah, no, it doesn't it make sense. Yeah. No,
2: it,
1: no, and and like I, I love the I love how they imply that when the friend does it, it's more comfortable look like he's supposed to be, that would be hurting so, himself by accident, but, but now your friend who. It, yeah, you're I'm right. a
0: trusting guy. I'm a trusting guy. Yeah, but I have limits. I wouldn't
1: have anybody. I wouldn't have just to be clear from my own personal standpoint. I wouldn't have anybody do that for me.
0: I, no I don't know if being. I don't know if I'd want anyone in the house while I'm doing it. Quite C- frankly. Correct. Exactly. Correct.
2: Well, like, all right. Not and I, I don't want to we don't want to get too far down the road, but I do know people maybe myself included, who are scared to take a real razor down there, and he oh, takes a real razor down there, and he Absolutely. has no idea what he's doing. So yep. it can be a little daunting and scary of putting, as he said, I, I'm, when I'm shaving my face, I don't have these bleep hanging off my face. So- I'll
0: tell you, this is a really good time to tell the audience two things. One, we still have a couple openings for advertisers on this show. If you're interested, send an email to Mackey at com. <sighs> And two, if Manscaped is listening, we have an opening yes, for you on this show to talk about your product. Yes. Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. And you can start with my back, but let's. <laughs> uh, all
2: right. Uh, least believable for Declan. Yeah. Um, two things. Number one, Molly's profession. Molly's profession. It doesn't make any. So she, she's like she supposedly is a lawyer or is attorney or is going to law school to take take the exams and be a lawyer like her dad wants her to. But now she's, like, this secret event planner, which is, like, a plausible um, profession. Like, that makes sense. But the fact that her parents have no idea she's been doing this and just her runaround of, like, how she explains how she got there just kind of is weird. She, like, was an intern at a law firm, and then all of a sudden she planned the event party, and now she's just in-eventing. She's just in-eventing, and she has this exquisite hotel. And and look, all those people do probably make good money, but the money's, like, few and far between because you're just basically planning what maybe, like— a dozen events if that in a year so just her profession and her like her amazing apartment like she probably comes from some wealth so i'm sure there is like quote-unquote daddy's money involved to that to a degree but just her profession to me makes zero sense throughout the film like kirk is just a dead-end guy working tsa and she's like this exquisite event planner who could be a lawyer like what? Would you even have to? If she's going through law school,
0: would she have time to also be an event planner? Seems like a lot. A lot I think to she put had, on her plate.
1: I thought she had put law school on hold or quit.
2: Yeah, she did. That she okay. explained
1: to Kirk and Definitely. then and then took on the event planner job. But the thing off Declan's point too is, and so it's Kirk that has to suggest to her that for her sister's twenty first birthday she throw a party. Like if you're an event planner, yeah. you really wouldn't think of that.
2: I was going to have her out for dinner. Yeah.
0: No, it, it, maybe maybe she's just, just a lot of gaps. maybe she's just an idiot and that's why she's with Kirk. She's maybe that's maybe we're I mean, overthinking this entire movie. Maybe she's you might, just an idiot. You might be right. You I, might be right.
2: I, also, another like a least believable thing, and my other second least believable thing that I just I didn't write down, but I'm just thinking of now. But like when you meet someone's ex, or when you hear of someone's ex, you might there might be some like intimidation and like some like eggshell walking thin ice situations. But I would never take advice for like when he gives her the advice like, "Hey, be careful, the web feet." I could give a bleep what that dude thinks about her. Like she's with me now, and I don't care what the hell happened with you two. Like that yeah. would never cross my mind to like take his advice into the relationship he, now. I agree.
1: Okay, I'm going to defend him again here. He tells he tells Kirk it's a, a deformity, and he doesn't say what. And that's have where to find Kirk, out for
2: yourself. <laughs> and that, but
1: that's where Kirk holds out hope that she is something really wrong that will equal like sure. his his shortcomings, um, so to speak. Okay, no and, pun intended. And
2: then, and then finally, the the air. This is classic, the airport runaround scene, like the classic airport runaround scene that would never happen in an airport. Getting her through security right away, going around the gates. Hopping on, you know, one of the tram carts, just like that classic, ridiculous, over-the-top airport scenes, which do ex- kind of exist in these kind of goofy comedy movies. So least believable, dude. So least believable. Uh, multiple felonies, I multiple.
0: feel like, were committed during that scene. Yes. Uh, all right. The cheesiest part, Judd again. So the entire end yeah, is clearly, but I'm going to stick on one
1: part. So, so to what Declan's saying, there are... There are parts that are cartoonish and make no sense, but you'll give the you'll give the leeway to the film because you know it's supposed to be a cartoon, right? And and that one guy is going to beat up his boss if he won't let him on and like yeah, it's not plausible, but I sort of get that. But here's where the writing again sort of fell short and and it's really weird among the cheesiest part at the end. I think the cheesiest part is the very last scene. Where he has been taking flying lessons, and now he's going to pilot a small plane to Cleveland for (laughs) Pittsburgh, which is not far. But my point is, that would be, if this was really well written, that would be a thread in the film where like halfway through he starts to just take flying lessons. Build some so like,
0: confidence.
1: He's, exactly. Like, the character, like, give the character a chance. Like, if they had done that and he had built confidence and just even slightly changed, I, Phil, I think that your argument about his confidence would sort mm-hmm. of go away then because mm-hmm. you'd be like, oh, okay, he started off as a complete just drip. But then but then he starts to build confidence. She
0: helped him find his thing exactly. and then he became confident and then they got back but, together. But it's that, like, but, just hire us. Go. This there isn't go. hard. Come
1: on. But to put them in a plane. At the very end and be like oh now and he, he's like i've been doing this on the side so what no like mm-hmm. that that should have been you could have easily made that even a small thread halfway through the film to sort of have us buy into oh okay he's starting to evolve and
0: change and instead it's just like this well i've been doing it on the side and no one saw it yeah super weird super uh weird. for me least or the, the cheesiest part was their first kiss in the car where all right, we're oh, gonna have the seatbelt. The, seat the classic seatbelt. Seat seat belt belt, oh, looks like it looks like it's kind of stuck, and oh, our heads happen to be down here close together, and now we're gonna you, kiss awkwardly. It's you have like, pulled right. the seatbelt move back in your youth. You have pulled <laughs> yeah. the seat. Someone <laughs> oh pulled. man looks oh, like man. actually actually my favorite one is oh uh, I left something in the glove compartment over yeah, here exactly yeah, yeah. Oh, right. that's right hey, did, right I, dro- did ah. I drop did mm-hmm. I drop something on the passenger <laughs> side God kissy kissy that was really creepy
2: right there. <laughs> all that right Dex, really
0: cheesiest creepier. part uh, for
2: you. yeah cheesiest part the just the lame ending uh both the pilot part and just like their whole you know how they finally reconcile in the airport and how like also the family is like now all in like if you notice in the background like the mom and dad and even the idiot brother they're all like oh this is so cute they're getting back together after kirk just told them off like just yeah. literally said you are all outside of mom the worst pu- human beings all on the planet and like now all of a sudden they're all they're all into it um, and then also, like, I think it's cheesy, just the fact she has webbed feet. Like, they, they tried to make off this thing of it being a, a, a defect and a problem, and she has webbed feet. Like, that's it? It was, it's absurd. Doesn't make any
0: sense. And the, and the feet weren't even that webbed. They were yeah. just kind of webbed.
2: It looked like, just right? like, and honestly, it looked yeah. like just like the first two toes were webbed. Yeah, like, that was yeah. it. Uh,
1: that, that looked to me like a really cheap makeup job, too, right? Okay, she's got webbed feet. Okay, let's get someone who could put a small web into her foot so it look real.
0: Uh, I want to give just uh, there there are no production notes for this movie because there weren't like enough prominent things, you know, there's no like big write-ups, but uh, I do want to shout out one other scene, the bowling alley scene where they get into that confrontation with the guy yeah. who's wearing the full on bowling shirt and the <laughs> like the bowling glove or the wrist whatever you call that thing. And I just, like, Judd and I have talked about this theme for years on our show. Guys who take recreational sports way too seriously, yeah. the softball teams that have the full $200 uniforms and have signs for the third base yes. coach, right? Yes. The bowling leagues where guys have you know, all the equipment. It's like, all right, if you're going to roll a three hundred, I can get with it. If you're there to to roll a twenty, dr drink a beer and put a T-shirt on, okay? Just calm down. So that whole scene, and then... Oh yeah, why don't you go ahead? Why don't you go ahead and roll? And then he <laughs> and as the guy's about to bowl, uh what's his name? TJ Miller yeah. in real life. Yep, TJ Miller. Takes a bowling ball just and just kidding. chucks it at his ball. <laughs> like, that was pretty funny. I enjoyed that scene. Yeah. It's just my swing, bro. Yeah.
2: That softball guy. I can't help it. I all, just
0: hit bombs, man.
2: All, Sorry. This, all this bleeping noise in here, and my buddy next to you, you can't bowl. Yeah, it's great.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, you you you're in my side path. the one thing that I, I think became intriguing about the um about the characters as well and how they cast them and it's very clear in in really good films like this how difficult this is but it's the difference between sort of lovable and doofusy but yet believable Mm -hmm. and just flat out creepy (laughs) because kirk at times was just creepy like like if if you had if you had cast if if you had said he, he went from from this film to being um a serial killer, I'd buy that. Like the voice, like every, like a lot of stuff that they had him do that they thought
0: was funny. Yeah, there, was sort a, of just creepy. There's a Dateline NBC special. Yeah, uh, the, the, the sequel of this movie, but I mean, is Phil, narrated by by Keith Morrison. To your point NBC.
1: about like R- Rogan or, or or Cusack back in the, the day who played this character perfectly, and you think about like what did, what did you appreciate about how they played the character? They never really came off to me as creepy. They were confident they yeah. had like
0: a, they had like a weird but acute confidence
1: right yes. like a, yeah. like an adorable lovable confidence. This guy was like dude, do you have a knife in your like back pocket or
0: something <laughs> sort of scare <laughs> it's me true. it's true. All right let's get to the two main ranking categories here. So we're looking for the definitive relationship ranking here, one through ten and their criteria is simple. it's just on screen chemistry between the two leads. So to this point, we've done seven rom-com rewinds. Hitch and Sarah from Hitch are the top couple on screen that we've reviewed so far. 8.8 out of 10. Joe Fox and Kathleen Kelly from You've Got Mail at an 8.3. Tied with Benjamin Barry and Andy Anderson from How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, 8.3. Lucy and Jack from While You Were Sleeping, a 7. Ben and Lindsay from Fever Pitch, a 6.7. Melanie and a redneck Jake from sweet home, Alabama, a 6.2 and Sam and Annie from sleepless in Seattle, who basically were never on screen together a 3.3. So we'll start with Judd here, Kirk and Molly in she's out of my league one through 10.
1: They are getting a very low two from me. Oh, I didn't buy it. I didn't really, I didn't, it just, it never, even between the um, actors themselves, it didn't feel really that plausible. Um, I'm, Giving them a two. Where I will defend the film a little bit though is say this. I thought the friends were like an eight. <laughs> like I liked his yeah, they're, friends. They're, they're, like i they're close. like I believed I believed that. I bought into to that and it seemed like those guys as actors all all sort of gelled. Uh but yeah, I'm gonna give them a two.
0: I, I felt both on screen and off screen that this didn't really work. Mm-hmm. Uh you were more generous than I, my friend. It's a one for me, dog. It's a one, one. for me. There, there's a lot of things about this movie that I thoroughly enjoyed. The yeah. relationship between these two was not plausible, and the on-screen chemistry was basically zero. Like it was just there was like two people reading lines to each other the whole yep. movie. That was my take on it. So uh, it's a one for me, Declan. Uh, I beat you. Go ahead and try and save it.
2: Wow. Uh, yeah. I was, <laughs> right no. I, w- I mean, even even how much I love this film, they're awkward as hell together. Um, it's it's not as comfortable as our other guys. I, I had six. I had six out of 10 thinking you Mm -hmm. guys would have like a four or five did not think it'd be one or two. Um, I had six out of 10, even though there's awkwardness, there's still obviously a connection between the two. And I know that she's dating him because he's safe. And then he's a little awkward because she knows that she is quote out of his league. Uh, But I, 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 I do think when they're together, there's cute moments. They get, they, they, they do vibe well. I thought it was a 6 out of 10. It's a far from a perfect or above-average chemistry, but I thought 6 out of 10, so that was my score.
0: Part of my logic is I can't in good conscience put Kirk and Molly ahead of Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan in Sleepless in Seattle. I just can't do it. Like Even though there was, they weren't on screen together very often, hmm. they were on screen enough at the end and had enough chemistry to where they have to be above Kirk and Molly from my ranking. So uh, Kirk and Molly are a 3- and Sam and Annie are a 3.3, so I think that's probably about where. Now let's get to the full movie, which might be different here. So the, the movie in its entirety, 1 through 10, uh, criteria, we're just looking for entertainment value. Hitch is a 9, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, 8.8. You've Got Mail, 7.7, While You Were Sleeping, 7.3. Sleepless in Seattle, 7.2. Fever Pitch, 6.3. And Sweet Home, Alabama at the bottom at a 6. Judd? I'm giving it a 4. I
1: I did not hate it. Now, I thought it could have been... If, if there had been a commitment more to the script and the actors, and, and I feel that there had been more chemistry with the film itself, and I mean before they roll, I mean like, you know, this doesn't make sense, let's do this. This thing could have been a 7, but I'm giving it a 4 because I really felt like I didn't hate it, but it, it could have been way... Better. and yeah. maybe maybe if you recast Kirk like to go go back now if they had found if they had tested Kirk and been like you're okay but you're not great and, and and your friends are fine those friends were fine uh but we're gonna go find somebody who's just a little notch above you that makes the the viewer buy into it but they didn't and again the fact Kirk came off is flat out creepy
0: hurts it to me so far um yeah I mean we will at some point we will get to i'm sure similar movies with the actors that you're talking about like we'll probably do knocked up at some point it's a 6.5 for me like tons of flaws it's hard for me to get past the implausibility of like why they're even interacting with each other beyond the phone exchange uh but there's enough funny things in here i i thought about even going 7 but now we're getting into like now we're getting into, like, all right, you've got male territory, which is a 7.7, so I'm trying to slot this a little bit. Uh, I, if this movie were on TV, I would stop. I might not, like – I'm not in Declan's mindset of it's one of my all-time favorite movies by any means. Um, but it was enjoyable enough. I laughed several times, and I love this type of rom-com. So it's a 6.5
2: for me. For me, it's an 8. It's an eight there out of ten. Go. I I love this movie. It's far from perfect. You do. Don't, ap- Don't need won't. to apologize. Oh, I man. will not. I certainly <laughs> will not it. apologize. Uh, but I I <laughs> I I do love this movie. I told you I saw it twice in theaters. Anytime it, it it's available on like a streaming site that I pay for, I will have to stop and watch it. It's one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's some flaws to it. But it's goofy. It's right up my alley. That came out when I was in high school. There's some nostalgia factor in there. It's an eight. It's an eight for me. It's an eight out of ten. Yeah.
0: I like it, uh, and so that makes it – It's so Sweet Home Alabama remains the worst one that we have reviewed, and then She's Out of My League just above it at a 6.2, just below fever pitch at a 6.3. That's very so, fair. That's very right. fair. And I will say again, even though I was harsh on the relationship rankings, I am very glad that we did this movie because it, it really gave us a chance to speak to that average normal guy. These are the four things you need if you want to land a woman like that, all right? Be funny. Be confident go get some money and go Plaster. get some plastic surgery to look better. Like those are the four things you need. And
1: yeah, don't act like this. <laughs> I do like the fact that, that to me though, this falls, this is the perfect film for us to do. Yeah. Like these are the films oh, we 100%. want. Yeah. Cause we don't want, I like some of them are just too damn good. This is this, this had enough flaws to actually Make it fun yeah. to dissect
0: it. There almost needs to be like a third meta category where we rank it based on how well it fits with what we're trying to do on the movie review series. And this would be that, about it, a nine. It, I was gonna say it's like a nine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts before we uh, pick the next movie here? I, I, I got. I got. I got. I got oh, three for you here. Oh, oh, three. the one thing, Declan.
1: I loved it, but when they're in the bar before the Penguins game, yeah. Chelsea Dagger. Yeah, why do you hate Chelsea Dagger? It's
2: because it, number one, it reminds me of two of my least insufferable fan bases in the University of North Dakota. Okay, they play that; that's their goal song. The University, like I, I don't get down with the Gophers. I don't get down with a lot of college sports, but we all can agree North Dakota is the worst. That's 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 my that's my common ground with all my friends who are Big Ten friends, who okay. whether they go to Wisconsin, Iowa, or the Gophers. We all can agree the University of North Dakota is the worst. I don't like the okay. I don't like UND. And then the Blackhawks, uh, they use it as well. Obviously, there's some – I've gotten a little bit over my hatred of the Blackhawks as I've gotten older and a little wiser. But just it it reminds me of hell. It reminds me of being in hell when I hear that song.
1: (laughs) This film, if we ranked this – and possibly we should – if we ranked music – yeah. I think this wins.
2: Yeah, it's good music. Yeah, the music there's in this a, film is actually Weezer.
0: really. Yeah. a lot of stuff in here. The fray. Actually, yep. let, the me, fray. let me look up the soundtrack. real
2: yeah. quick here. Yeah, there's some really. This was like uh, very, very much my iPod video playlist. Hal Bachman. Uh, that she's I was so high. So, yeah.
0: yeah. That was that's a, that that's, was a sneaky good little. That's actually a good song. Little title there. I uh right? like song. So uh, she's out of my league. Soundtrack. IMDb. Let's see here. Yeah, there's Weezer. Oh in yeah, there. "Carry On My Wayward Son." Yep. Chelsea Dagger. Uh, say what you want by Ali D Allie D had a few songs in here over my head over my head by by uh which you the about? fray, fray? Okay. yeah uh, I, I, yep. I get snow patrol in the fray mix they pretty much the, the same I saw yeah. snow
1: patrol once with Don oh, really shit. at Prince's uh old nightclub
0: oh wow cool oh a uh, hot girls in love by Loverboy. yeah you had a big eclectic that was a mix good songs a good there. point Jeff. this
1: would this would win our soundtrack a
0: couple of original songs, scores. Yeah, every time you go away, original
1: score rankings. Mac, the Mackie and Judd yeah. original score yeah. rankings. Yeah. We should do that. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, so, this was about a nine, in my opinion, maybe a ten.
0: For next week, I would I would love to do at least one more rom com here. I think we're on sure. a roll here, and we've got a fun little list. So here for are three, three options for uh, next week for you. Uh-huh. My best friend's wedding. Mm. She's all that, mm-hmm. and fifty first dates.
2: I like all those movies. I've seen Fifty First Dates probably the most. I would, I would, uh, I would rather do one. Lean of the first heavily two.
0: toward my best friend's wedding. Yeah, year. I'd lean okay, on the first a, two. There's a superstar like it's Cameron Diaz. Yep. it's I will warn Julia Roberts. I will warn you right now. I'm coming
1: with Despicable Human Being fastball again on that one.
0: What? Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. It's fine. Yeah, that's fine a let's terrible human being. Let's let's do it. Okay. My best friend's wedding. My best friend. Okay, hold on. I somewhere in I done. think it was like late 90s. Yep, 97.
1: I saw it in the theater.
2: 152. 152.
1: Despicable person. Yeah,
0: Julia Roberts probably her agent probably said, if this is a 90-minute rom-com, my gal's going to need 20 more minutes of screen time <laughs> to uh, yeah.
1: get that So thing let's up make to her as hateable as let's make her as hateable <laughs> as possible.
0: All right, so my best nice. friend's wedding for next Friday. Uh, watch along with us and uh, consume these. If you're ever wondering, oh, I just discovered these Mackie and Judd movie reviews every Friday going back, like, 15 months. Just go back and find any Friday episode of Mackie and Judd, and you can find all of our rom-com rewinds, action movie rewinds, sports movie rewinds. So uh, thanks for hanging out with us.
2: You know what, Kirk? Maybe you're right. Maybe you are a five. You know Why? No self-esteem, deduct a point. Every time someone walks into a room, you compare yourself to them, deduct a point. You're a smart and talented guy who's afraid to do anything with it, deduct a point. Um, how are we doing? Oh, oh, yeah. Hoping that I have a defect that you can work with? Deduct whatever's left.
0: I'm out of here. Web feet, are you kidding me? Kirk!